The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome to the True Wealth radio program, your favorite show every Tuesday that you listen to right now. Right, so we're. Is glad that your you're disclaimer? Here. Is that the way to? Yeah. <laughs> no. Exactly, and uh, you you know what? It's a great day to be indoors. Yeah, enjoying the smoke this. is. Uh, it's back, right? We huh. do. It seems like we do this every August. If you remember what was going on this time a year ago? Oh, well, it was so thick. You, it was like a fog or something. You almost couldn't. We're even We're also going to have it. an eclipse. That's the big thing. It so was. Last year was That's the eclipse right. This time of year. That's right. And uh, it was really smoky and nasty. Uh, True. Interestingly enough, I was over in the Bend Redmond area yesterday, and you can feel good about being in the greater Roseburg area if you are so fortunate, because this isn't so bad. No, but it it looks gloomy. Like well, it yeah, doesn't. But just comparatively speaking, let me tell you, eh. there are places that have it a lot worse. But uh, it is definitely a day to be indoors. Yeah. Um, well, I'm happy that Roseburg is not on fire. <laughs> I'm happy that it's not on fire, or that uh, there is a fire course, super close to us. I, you know, I know so many talented foresters now, me and too. I just can't help but. Well, you know, it's not a roll my eyes things. It's really a frustration thing because so much of this has been a result of failed policy and management that not is, on behalf of the foresters. Right? By the it's way. not. It's not <laughs> it's what not them talented <laughs> foresters would like to see happen. It's no. just the sort of the nature of the nonsense of our system. And uh, I kind I, of feel like it's the hoarder house that finally burns down, and you're like, well, yeah, it's going to burn down. There's tons of crud that nobody's cleaned out of it, and it wasn't well maintained. And yeah. Well, and and for the for the so many of the wrong reasons, and I am sure there are complexities beyond which I understand. But as best I can tell, uh, a lot of this has is a result of single species policy making. You know, so things True. like oh, the, the spotted, spotted owl. owl. <laughs> we must we must protect the habitat of the single species without consideration for all of the other species surrounding it. Right. And then what we've done is we've uh, created artificial situations by you know either suppressing fires or other things uh harvests and so forth too that that now put so much excessive fuel in the area that you know you can't stop a fire so it's just gonna right. burn through and destroy the place instead of just sort of burn out the underbrush and uh be a lot less devastating and what's really sad too is the cleanup efforts afterwards that oftentimes get stalled uh as i was driving uh, over 126 and I was looking out over areas that had burned previously so last year just saw so much of this uh, just dead standing lumber now that uh, of course Waiting it's just drying out and, and it's going up. well it will not get cleaned up though it will either eventually fall and rot or my fear is it will just burn again because it's just going to contribute that much more to available fuel sources that Got are it. now yeah. seasoned for a forest fire it's so, true. Yeah, so we out. have some serious issues these are not true wealth decisions here these are true knucklehead decisions just so we're clear <laughs> knucklehead. Uh, and good word uh, to which i will say that you know to the environmentalist 
that uh, yeah, this is one I'm I'm going to make fun of you, the type of environmentalist that doesn't really do homework. You think with your heart instead of your brain, and you are a preservationist over conservationist. Okay, so the preservationist is like. Well, we just shouldn't touch it at all and just let nature do what it does, except that you will also be the one that says, but, you know, if nature's going to kill off a species, we need to go in and protect it and do this, that, and the other. So look, you know, pick a path. you got to do one or the other. But if you are a conservationist versus a preservationist, then it is let us go in, let us appropriately manage so that the environment is maintained, the species are protected, or at least to the best that we can try to do so, that we maintain watersheds, uh, and so forth. The second one sounds more like a stewardship role. And we talk a lot about stewardship uh, on this show. And I realize that that is a churchy word that the church does use a lot. But to be a good steward means to be entrusted with somebody else's stuff. Right. And in essence, the forest, right? Like we don't own it. It's it's not something we control, but to be entrusted with the preservation or not preservation, right. but conservation of it, right? Like well, to make sure that it stays. Resources, you know, yeah. let's say we do own it. I still think that we have a stewardship role for all of the people that want to be able to use it. And I look at some of to this and just go, it. come on. People. I saw something on Facebook the other day that said, every time you go to the beach, try to pick up just three pieces of trash. Like if everybody did that, then the beaches would be much cleaner. And I thought, well, it's true. What, every little bit helps, right? It's true. Every little bit helps. And it would be great if China didn't throw as much trash in the ocean. So there's that. <laughs> that was, there, there's that. <laughs> so I did that, right? I did just take that shot. It's uh, funny because um, I, I would not say for a second that like Chinese, that I have any kind of problem there. But China, as far as some of the policies and the way they treat the environment, and essentially they play by a different set of rules than a good majority of the uh, world. first world, first developed world, if you will. Okay. It's sure frustrating to see, uh, you know, hey, let's burn tires for power. And who cares about what oh, kind of pollution we generate in the process? Of of oh, boy. So I, I hope that that is a lot more rumor than fact. But my fear is that there's a lot more truth to it than we want to believe. So... Anyhow, let's get back to the True Wealth Radio Show and uh, the the themes of the day. So, we got a couple things we're going to talk about. Uh, one, I don't know if you heard this or not, but markets today hit all time highs. What? Are you serious? The S and P five hundred hit the all time intraday high. What does it mean when you say intraday? It means that during the trading day, at some point, the value of the S and P went as high as it has ever gone. But intraday does not mean end of day when the market closes. Right. So the numbers that the the num the main number that a lot of investors or even uh, let's say institutional fi folks financial mostly. advisors yeah, pay attention to professionals pay attention to is the number that it closes at right because we know it's going to wobble up and down, but right. it's the number that it closes at is the number we kind of play by. So it did not close at an all time high. The January twenty sixth all time high of. Like twenty eight seventy three something or forty seven or seventy two eighty or something like that. <laughs> now you're anyway, just throwing out numbers. It's, it's, it was right around twenty eight seventy two or seventy three. Okay, and then today it it twenty eight sixty two point nine. Nope, that was is that it was twenty eight seventy. It changed. It yeah. Today it closed at twenty eight sixty two point nine six. Right, and uh, it intraday got above twenty eight seventy three. Which was the new high because it got yeah. into the twenty eight seventy three range. The right. previous high was twenty eight seventy two and some change. Right. So it did go uh, 
beyond the all-time high today, but didn't finish there. It pulled back. And then we get some interesting stuff because in the aftermarket, meaning the markets close 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and then we've had two fairly substantial pieces of news, at least from a sensational perspective. From a political standpoint. Right. So the political standpoint, we had um, Trump's attorney, uh, Cohen. Got who, a little smackdown who, today. Who uh, had to enter some guilty pleas uh, and has has found himself in uh, the, the wrong side. There's been some tax evasion and some other issues that are felony charges that have stuck to him. And then uh, Paul Manafort, who was his, uh, at one time, one of his campaign chairs, was also uh, convicted of some uh, fraud issues. And so between So what does that two, mean for the market when we're looking at stuff uh, okay, like so, that, political stuff? Well, you know, the question is, is this the first in a series of more rough events that destabilize the, the, the office of the president? Right. So Ooh, I'm, that's I'm, a big question. So that's the first question is, is it uh, it's going to lead to further political instability or not? Uh, and so right now, the stock market, the, the futures market has pulled back. So it's down. It's down about a quarter of a percent or a little more. So the S&P closed the day at twenty eight sixty two, but futures are down there in the, the twenty eight fifty low range. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's taking it negatively, but you, you have to kind of play a game of, uh, you know, pin the, pin the tail on the guilty party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Right>? Um, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Pin well, the tail on the guilty party. That sounds like an adult game played at a, at a cocktail party. Wow, I never <laughs> thought of it that way. Thank you for that. Uh, so think of it this way. Uh, so for Trump's attorney, what it, what it certainly looks like, and again, the, the details are still coming out, but it certainly looks this way, is that not only had he been evading some taxes, but he had, uh, it was like, what, what happens is a breach of campaign finance law. Okay, so campaign contributions. But it looks like, uh, or at least maybe I'm confusing the two. Whatever the case, it appears that um, what he did was he paid off women that Trump had had affairs with. This is what it appears to be. And then afterwards, he, he, invoiced you know created fraudulent invoices and then billed trump's company for the amount that was paid off to and, get the cash back and then the, to, to get paid back uh whether or not that is a causal link i mean it's certainly suspicious and i think everybody can kind of go you know wink wink nudge nudge we kind of get what happened there but is it enough to tie it formally together legally and i'm not a legal professional here but and we're the, not in the courtroom either i mean we're getting right. little bits of information we're not hearing the whole testimony right. and, of what's and, happening and then the other one is i'm getting a lot of my information right now from bloomberg which has been um a little you know, jaded hasn't well he? bloomberg's been pretty out especially you know michael bloomberg who's been associated but you know they they've more or less been pretty direct about their displeasure with trump as president and their editorial board has been quite 
against Trump. Well, that's my point. Like, it's not exactly like you're right. getting a pro-Trumper saying, exactly. hey, this it's is what's hard, happening. It's hard to not have that filter into your news cycle when that is such a prevailing wind, if you will, of the organization. Right. So when you look at this, the question is, is it enough? And, and obviously, the market's not panicked that much. It's down a quarter of a percent, but it's not like it's down 5% or something. Uh, the market is sort of saying, well, uh, if we can, you have to have a whole lot of ifs. Like if there can somehow be proof that this was collusion and it's not just going to stick to um, Cohen, right? Then, then it would be, can it spill over to Trump? And if it does, is it in such a way that it would actually endanger his position in office? Right, so there's a lot of things that have a lot of ifs that have to happen. Now, could it cost some political capital and make things harder to get done in D.C.? Sure. Yeah, it absolutely could, and so and, and the market may reflect that as well. I'm not saying that this isn't a serious issue, and it is, and obviously it involves the president, so everybody's kind of keeping an eye on it, right? Because whether you're pro-Trump or against Trump, people still pay attention the minute you say Trump. Sure, but. I kind of feel like a little bit of it is like a tabloid magazine. It's like, oh, guess who said, did what, this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, obviously, the stock market's not really seeming seriously phased by it. And I don't know how much it can directly affect yeah. the stock well, market. I, think, I don't really feel like it has a big tie to the stock market. Here's, here's I think, the, the just, end around, if you will. I mean, the trick play in this whole thing is if you get these two people that are fairly closely associated with Trump into legal trouble will they will they cut some kind of deal with the department of justice and then will that give them uh will that give uh robert Mueller the then ability to come in and leverage them into getting information that will further an investigation that will somehow link trump to collusion with russia in during the election cycle to 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 get the office. Yeah, I feel like it's a, like kind of like a, a it's like a game of clue or something. Gonna, right? It's like a lot of this to this uh, to this. And for the folks that hate Trump, it's really easy to go like, yeah, go get him. And the folks that love Trump, it's really easy to go like, nah, this is stupid. Uh, there is probably somewhere in between. Uh, and and I I just don't know. Like honestly, I just don't know because uh, my. You know, I, I try to put my politics aside when it comes to investing. I mean, one of the reasons that I like to watch um, news sources from financial sources is because most of it is not about the politics. It's about the profitability of the news. What's True. it doing? And so uh, so it, you try to stay a little bit, as much as you can, a little bit above the riffraff and more about, look, what does this mean? Yeah, and, and, and so, what, what is the ripple effect, right? Like, how is right. it going to affect other things, not directly just that one person yeah. necessarily? But and, and so right now we're still in conspiracy theory land. Yep. Okay, and so the market does not have enough data to really make a decision one way or the other. So can it pull back off of its high? Sure, but it could have done that anyway. Uh, and the, the, the reality is, though, that if we look at the big picture, right, what the big picture still says, look, economic data is pretty strong. Earning, and you can make the case that the market is expensive right now. I, mean, I can make the case on either side. Does the market go up or does the market go down? Uh, and if you do the, the homework, some will argue that we're now officially into the longest bull market of all time, right? depending on how you slice the numbers. So whatever the case, this market's been going up for a long time. And the question is, is it tired? 
right? Is it is it ready to have a breather? Are we going to have a, a bear market run before long? I kind of feel like it's had a little bit of a breather for the last six months, though. I mean, it went up and then it kind of went, eh, I'm going to take a break and sit well, this one but, out for a little bit. but not numerically speaking. It had a breather. But what's, what's very interesting about that is uh, it's, it's more like a consolidation period than a correction. And so if that's yes, the case, that's usually true. the markets historically have pushed higher after points like this. Uh, in fact, I was just reading a statistic that said something to the effect of 20% uh, of a bull market run occurs in, you know, the last 20% happens after a consolidation period. And so if exiting early can cost you 20% of the move in a, in a bull. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, and now, is that a lie? Because you said there's only <laughs> a couple of things that are true. Lies, damn lies, and... Statistics. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're so, quoting well, statistics... So there's three kinds of lies. <laughs> three kinds right? of there's lies. three kinds of lies out there. <laughs> statistics are, of course, the most egregious. <laughs> uh, you know, you can always manipulate those numbers. And so that's, the, that's less the point than it is just... Um, it, it's really hard to make a case that this market is done because while you can make a case that it is expensive, it's sort of uniformly expensive, but it's in the backdrop of expanding economic uh, earnings and so forth. The Federal Reserve is looking, you know, we'll get more information tomorrow. They're, they're going to release the Fed minutes and then we'll start to see what, what are they going to do with interest rates and so forth. Yeah, if you want to know how they did, just watch the stock market, stock market right after they release the minutes. Yeah, sometime, usually it's around 11 o'clock our time, the minutes get uh, released and for the next hour you'll see a whole bunch of volatility and then the market will kind of settle in on a direction uh, and historically it's been positive post fed meeting but we shall see because you know here we are near all-time highs but uh, it's again you can make the case either way but i think uh, i had a mentor that used to tell me this a lot when i was early in my career he said keep doing what the market tells you to do and tells, until it tells you to do something different. There you go. Right? I, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but basically follow the trend until it actually fails. Don't guess at when it's going to fail. So for that, uh, you tell me when this trend's going to fail. I, I don't know, but I can tell you the data. I can still make a pretty good case that there's more to go, as well as that case that it's, it's getting tr trickier. Uh, if I had to flip a coin, this is not investment advice, but if you guys just want to pin me to it later, I think the market is going higher from here. And so we will see in the coming months if that prediction ends up being right. But again, not to be used as investment advice. We could just play that bet on air. Look, we're running long. we got to grab a break. So let's do that. We'll get our first break in when we come back. i uh, got some interesting ones for you. This one's going to be a new scenario. What do you do if you inherit an IRA? Ooh, sounds fun. All right, we'll cover that more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Chuck. we got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Uh, I am your host, David Littlejohn, co hostessing with me. Co hostessing, Katie Shook. So uh, we are, all right, so I'm done being in the weeds today. Uh, all I'm telling <laughs> Enough you. Enough politics. Is, this yes, is the politics. The show. politics and conspiracy of the day says, oh my gosh, the market should go down. Uh, don't let your emotions get caught up in this thing. The data still looks good, and so until the data looks otherwise, I think you don't want to get too cute with this thing. Because uh, honestly, you're guessing. If you're telling me, oh, this market's done, you're guessing. Okay, This market could very easily keep going up. 
So, and by the way, if you want to find fault and stuff, you'll find a way to find fault and stuff. Oh like, yeah, the confirmation market's making money bias. right now. If you're making money, don't complain. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, all the more reason. And if you don't have a way to filter your emotions from your, pro, you know, the, the emotions from your decisions, then by all means, when I say seek professional help, I'm not saying like go get a psychiatrist. I'm saying go work with an investment pro that can use systems and data. You know, that's something our office is real big on is we use processes and data. It's driven by data, not by our emotions. So I don't use the force when making investment decisions. Right. You know, I use data. And why? Because even when we're wrong, at least we can point back to the rationale for the decision and we can learn from it. If I, I use, use the force, but the force tells me to go look at the data. Just kidding. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> there is no try. I'm Good just job. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, we started doing this thing that we were called, we did the scenario show a couple weeks ago, and we started picking off uh, investment scenarios. These are real life things that could happen to you as an investor, things that you might need to deal with. And things we've seen. Things that we've seen. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to get into the, the, you know, the really obscure, like, oh, you'll never see this, but you got to hear this crazy story, right? Those are the ones that's fun, like from the doctor, where like, oh, and then I had this one person that's crazy. Now, so, if you want to hear crazy stories, you come talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's Katie's role, okay? I'm going to give you the scenario that's like, hey, you know what? You could really see this in your lifetime. Right. So here's the deal. What happens if you inherit a retirement plan? Or an IRA? Are you so, so inherit a retirement plan? Are you talking about a four hundred one k? Are you talking yeah, about so, what exactly? So let's say, for the sake of this discussion, that you inherit an IRA, which is an individual retirement, retirement. account. Yes. Okay, so you've just inherited an IRA from somebody else. Right. Okay. So We're what gonna... must you do? Ooh, that's a great question. What are my options, David? Okay. Option number one, I need more information. Right. So, okay. so what's the first question I'm going to ask, Katie? Let's let's play out the scenario. Let let's give people since we're talking about scenarios before we do that, right? So, um, I will still play a version of me, right? So David can ask me questions about this, so we can kind of get down to what would be the best one for the scenario. So we're not saying me personally that this is my scenario, but we're saying like I'm still playing a female person. So, so Jane, I, Jane Doe, has, Jane Doe has just inherited her mom's, I her, her mom's IRA. Her mom was in her seventies. Jane is in her forties. Um, Mom, dad is not in the picture. Say they're divorced, so mom was on her own, right? Okay. So there's no spouse to inherit that to inherit the IRA. He got kicked out when they got divorced. <laughs> so mom. Okay, kept this the, scenario is getting real here. Yeah. All right. So mom kept the money, right? So mom's divorced. Mom kept the money. She's now passed on. She was in her seventy. Let's say she's seventy four. So she was already taking required minimum distributions, and she's passed away. And First, tough break, mom. mom I know. Mom was pretty young. Uh, and I have inherited, I'm Jane Doe, and I have inherited the IRA, and I'm trying to figure out what I should do with it at this point. All right. And so, I'm a single child. I'm an only child. I don't have any siblings. Okay. So Jane Doe has just told us a lot in that scenario, like a lot more than we would probably get without asking questions typically. And so I want to help our listeners understand a couple things. First of all, it was important that we know that she's not married. That mom right? was not married. Mom was not married because right. let's say that mom was married and husband is going to inherit the retirement plan. You know what happens to him? 
He gets the money? Yeah, pretty much nothing. He just gets to keep it because there's an unlimited transfer of assets between spouses. Right. So uh, the IRS says, well, there's no taxable event where you're going to have to start paying taxes because your your spouse died. You know, you just right. get their stuff. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, if you are married, you have the option of married filing jointly, right? Like you're filing together through paying taxes anyway. So, okay, I'm going yeah. on in the weeds. Yeah. All right. Anyways, yeah. so mom's divorced, left me this IRA. Right. And so the point being, though, is if if, if it was we're talking about somebody else and they're married, you know, your husband or your wife could just inherit everything and that's okay. fine. But there's still some tricks to it. So in our instance here, so Katie playing the role of Jane Doe. Right. So Jane is, uh, she's got mom's IRA. Mom was 74. Now, the next question I'm going to ask is, is this a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? Ooh, it's a traditional IRA. All right. It is a traditional IRA, which means the taxes have been deferred and have not been paid so far. Right. So... We know that mom was over age 70 and a half. Now, Katie, for the benefit of our listeners, okay. why do we care how old mom was? So if the money is in a tax-deferred account, then at age 70 and a half, the IRS starts requiring them to take required minimum distribution. So the IRS says, you need to take a little bit of money out every year and pay taxes on it so that I can start collecting the taxes that I have deferred right. This, this, whole time. this deal's gone on long enough. You owe us the taxes that you haven't paid us since the beginning of time when you started this retirement account. Right. And now, if you're not going to take it out voluntarily, we are going to force you to take some out so we can get paid. Right. That's the IRS position on this thing. Right. And, and they, there's a table that tells you how much you're supposed to take, not value, but how much percentage wise right. every year you're supposed to take out based on your so age. So every year, and, it gets, and the percentage goes up the older you get. Right. So the reason we need to know how old mom is is because Jane Doe has some options. Okay. What could Jane Doe do with the money? So she just inherited this retirement account. Give it a value. I want you to... Let's say that it's $350,000. Okay. Okay. And so the first thing is, what could Jane Doe do? She could cash it out. Yeah. Just take the right, money say, and run. Right, I'll just take all the money and pay all the taxes right now. Okay. Why is that kind of a bad idea? Well, $350,000, it'd be like getting a $350,000 paycheck. And exactly. That's now a all of a sudden, tax you're, in the, you're in one of the top tax brackets you can get into. Right. So you're going to crank up at, because if you're still working, you know, because, you know, Jane's in her 40s. She's right. presumably working or has an income because she's married or something. Right. And so all of a sudden, her income just went up by an extra $350,000. That's going to be a significant. big tax bill. Right. Big tax bill. Right. So maybe that's not the most efficient way to get the money because does, does Jane really need to go buy a brand new house and pay cash for it? No. No. Okay. So maybe we could come up with a better strategy. Okay. What? So option A is take the cash and run Just and pay take the taxes. The cash. Okay. Option two is over the next five years. Okay. Okay. So it's defined as by December 31st of the fifth year after the person's death. So after mom died, you've got till December 35th of the fifth year after that date. Okay. That you have to 
cash everything out of the IRA, but you can spread it out over those five years. So, so you have three hundred fifty thousand. You could do seventy thousand each year for five years, and cash it out slowly. And cash it out, and only raise your income up by seventy thousand each year, which would presumably keep you in a lower tax right. bracket. It like may bump you up a tax bracket, but not go from up five tax brackets. <laughs> right. So, so that might be a way to trickle the money out of the IRA and not have to pay as much in tax. And we're making some assumptions on this scenario, like we're making assumptions that the account's not growing or anything's not changing value-wise. Yeah, because we're trying to keep the example easy. Okay, option C. Option C. Jane could retitle the IRA into her name as a beneficiary. Okay. And so what she would then get is the, you know, the mom IRA for the benefit of Jane Doe. Right. So my mom's name is Jackie. So so, so it's the so it'll say Jackie Doe. So the Jackie Doe <laughs> IRA, IRA for the benefit, benefit of, of Jane Doe. Jane Doe beneficiary. Right. And what that tells the IRS is, oh wait a second, this money has been inherited, and as long as this decision is made within the first year uh, you know so by december 31st of the of the year um the fall the year following the date of death right so if you die in november it's not like you only have five weeks here you've got until december of the next year right to get this sorted out but you can instead of taking required distribution see well here's what happens so it turns out you can't just sit on the money no, right. You when you inherit the money, the IRS says, "Well, wait a second here, Jane. You know, Jackie Doe had required distributions. Yeah, she was required to take money out so we can collect taxes. And so do you as the beneficiary, because if she had to take them, so do you. So what you do is you say, "Well, if I change it to my name, I can change the required distributions to my age. Ooh. I'm much younger because remember I made that little mention. I said, right. by the way, it'll get bigger. I'm 45 and she's 74. Right. So if you're taking a 45 age distribution, distribution amount, you could take a much smaller amount out. Than the percentage that it would be at 74. Right. And right. now you have the ability to defer that till later. So maybe you want to add this to your own retirement package and you're still working. Then you could reduce the amount that you have to pay out and continue to defer those taxes for quite some time. And that's so also known as a stretch provision. It's known as a stretch IRA. So we're going to stretch it out right. over my lifetime instead of me having to take higher yep. chunks of it out based on my mom's lifetime. Exactly. Or age, I should say, not lifetime, and so, but age. So those are really the primary options that Jane Doe has. If Jane Doe had a sibling, then uh, there would be some decisions about whether or not to split the bucket of money between each sibling so that they could each make their own decisions with it. Because if you don't do that, and what happens is, if there's no decision made by December 31st of the year following the year of death, right? Okay. Then you default to the option where it is everything must be cashed out within the next five years. Okay, that's that's the default option if you don't do anything. So remember, no decision is still a decision because if you don't make one, then one will be made for you and it may not be in your best benefit. Exactly. So really so, don't do that one. <laughs> so in that, that's our scenario, right? So if you have questions about how to inherit an IRA, if you're, go- if you're on the list and you're gonna get one, and especially if you're not a spouse, then you may want to speak to a financial pro about how to optimize the best tax situation for yourself. So there you go. That's the uh, scenario of the week, which brings us to our next 
break. Exactly. So uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Until uh, then, this is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. On News Radio 1240, KQEN. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Wealth <laughs> Radio Show, where we are covering all kinds of super valuable, important stuff. We are. Baby boomers are getting older and they're trying to figure out, you know, you got to leave money to your kids. And exactly. What, what are like the- then this is the next generation. And if you're either trying to figure out how to move it on to the next generation, or if you are the next generation and you're receiving right. money, these are big deal decisions. They are. I can't, you know, I can tell you, uh, here's another one you got to be careful of. You don't want to do something like, hey, let me make a non-person the beneficiary of my pay without being very careful about how you do it. Because the non-person like, oh, I'll make a trust the beneficiary of my IRA. Well, I got news for you. You do something like that, that's going to be considered a automatic distribution when you die. So it can't make the decision to stretch at that point unless you've put specific language in place to do that. Right. So that's when you got estate planning attorneys and yeah, other people. Complicated. Involved. It involves paying somebody to make sure you don't screw it up. Yeah. This is the don't pay the stupid tax move because you so thought I figured it'd be okay because, yeah. you know, so somebody said a trust is the way to go. Look, if and I had the- a dollar for every time somebody <laughs> knew, told me something wrong about a trust, I'd be seriously wealthy. Because or at least have good lunch money. <laughs> folks just make these assumptions like, oh, it's rich people. You have a trust. You don't pay any taxes. No, not that's not how it works. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so my next question, which has come up before too, is can I take, so Jane Doe has this IRA, right, inherited IRA. Can I take it and roll it over into my own IRA? No. Why? But they're both IRAs. Sure they are. But remember, one of them was the, so here's what happens when somebody dies with an IRA we call them the decedent that's the dead person okay the dead person had required distributions which meant the IRS had sunk their claws into them and said we're getting our money back finally (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're getting our tax money right and you can't once the IRS has sunk their claws in it's like they're not taking them back out yeah they'll let you the money move to the next person but they're saying you still have to keep taking those distributions. It's still a requirement. We're just going to allow you to either continue at the previous person's age, or you can change it to your own age, or you can make distributions all right now. We'd love for you to do that and pay us all the taxes right, right. now. Or you can spread it over the five years like we talked about. Okay, so that, but, but you can't just move it into your own name because that's effectively saying, well, I don't need to take distributions yet, so I'll just defer them. And the IRS says, uh-uh, I'm not letting my claws back out of this puppy. I because got it, and I'm not letting go. One of the scenarios would be then you would start having families who would just keep rolling it and rolling it and rolling it and building this huge amount of wealth without the IRS ever touching it. Right. And the other thing is, let's say that mom was not 70 and a half. She dies at 65. You know, it's tragic, but she goes early. And you inherit. Did you know that you still will have required distributions when mom would have been 70 and a half. That's when, the, that's when the timer kicks on. Right. Now, you can change them to your age so that they can last longer. You don't have to take as much out. But that's the date when the distributions will have to because start. Because had she been alive, taken. they would have started. Exactly. Because it's the, the account is still sort of linked to, to her, to mom. To her age. And the only way to change that is to just 
take a distribution, cash everything out, and start over. But if you do that, well, you can't just put it all in your IRA because there's contribution limits. Right. It doesn't work that right? way either. So, so it doesn't work that way either. I know this may sound really complicated. I guess what it comes down to is if you're if you're just like nodding and smiling or nodding off because this is just so not interesting to you, look, by all means, seek a qualified financial pro that can help you navigate this process because it can create a significant tax burden or provide significant tax savings and efficiency depending on how you do it. So here's the next question. Since right. we were talking about the stretch provision, mm -hmm. can I choose each year whether or not I want to stretch it on my age? No. I have to pick when. Well, so let's put it this way. Once you pick your <laughs> That's a age, trick question. <laughs> once you pick your age, your required distribution is that's the required minimum. Is it at least that amount or more? See, now that it was a trick question. I already knew the answer to that one, too. So you can always take more out, right? So say my required minimum distribution this year was $6,000 out of the account, but right. I wanted to take 10 because I wanted to take the whole family on a vacation. Can I do that? Yes. Okay. But I'm required to at least take 6000 Correct. What happens if I only take five? You will be taxed on the difference at a 50% penalty rate. Ooh, that's yeah. pretty steep. It's very steep. It's essentially not worth it to not take the distribution. The only other thing you could do is if you didn't need the money personally, is you can you can do a direct contribution to charity and never take it as income and still satisfy your distribution requirement. So that's like a direct donation to a qualified 501c3 status, then you could do something like that. Now, what about if I take this required minimum distribution, but I don't really need the money? Can I put it in another type of investment account so that I can watch it grow somewhere else? Well, of course. I mean, you, you just have to take it and pay the taxes on it. But once you've got the money, it's yours to do with what you want. You can reinvest it. You can buy a really big hat. You can put it in the mattress, <laughs> whatever suits your fancy. Tahiti. You're all about okay. the hats. I'm all about Tahiti. Tahiti it is. <laughs> all right. Next question. Yeah. Let's change the scenario a little bit. What about if it wasn't a traditional IRA? What about if it was a Roth IRA? Oh, the fun one. So right. my mom passed away and she had a $350,000 Roth IRA. Am I still required to take minimum distributions? Okay, so how old was mom when she passed away? We're still gonna stick with the 74. So okay. Miss Jackie was 74 when she passed. All right, the, and the easy answer to this one is yes, believe it or now, not. Now why? Because it's after-tax dollars. That's true. So Roth IRAs do not have required distributions when you're alive. If it's your IRA, like if it's your Roth, in, and you're 70 and a half or older, you do not have to take distributions from the Roth. Because I paid all my taxes on the way in, so exactly. I don't have to pay them on the way out. Because the IRS you, cannot double dip. Yeah, they're, they're tax-free, so the IRS has no motivation to compel you to get the money out of the Roth. However, for the next generation, right? So again, same thing, a spouse can inherit all of it, but, but if it's gonna go to somebody besides a spouse, okay. Then the clock starts ticking. And the reason is because you can't give somebody an asset that has no tax consequences and let it grow forever without ever tying some kind of distribution to it. Because the Roth, you could just say, well, just never take it out. And then it'll become a massive monster account because it'll just keep growing without any taxes for years and years and years and years. From generation to generation to generation. Yeah, I'm thinking our government doesn't really like that. <laughs> no, so what the government says is, Okay, when you would have been 70 and a half, while you don't have required distributions, the next generation does 
even though they're tax-free. They don't have to pay taxes on those distributions. They still must take them because they're going to gradually compel that account to get liquidated. Oh. Right? So they're not going to let the Roth last forever. However, you know, in this case, Jane's daughter, or I guess Jackie's daughter, Jane Doe. Right. right? Jackie was the mom who died. Jackie was the mom that died. daughter's in her 40s, inherits this IRA. Right. Stretches it on her own life expectancy so at her age instead of mom's age yeah so she has this little bitty distribution and she's taking out you know one percent and she's growing at ten percent per year that account can still grow substantially with tax-free benefits associated to it so right. it could be a very powerful tool for uh estate planning purposes and such very cool yeah so actually those are really cool features the roth iras uh and it's probably a little tough on the radio to get all of it, you know, it's just because you're explaining it and maybe you guys are getting it, but you know, you draw it up on the board and you go, hey, here's the ages and here's how it works. A lot works. of people are go, visual people. Aha, I know. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, maybe what we'll do, if you guys haven't done this before, go to go to our webpage to littlejohnfs.com and you can get on the newsletter list and then you can also find our YouTube channel. And uh, I think maybe what we'll do, we'll cover this week what a required distribution looks like in our question of the week. So we do these I videos, and you can go check them out. And uh, and so we draw them out on the whiteboard and show you how it works. And Especially if, you got, if you're a visual learner. Yeah, yeah. So if there's questions you're not getting on the radio to, let us know, and we'll get those into our investment school uh, you know, environment there. So, uh, all right, we, we better grab our last break. We're running long. So we'll get our last break in here. And then when we come back, uh, we'll cover some, you know, super double secret probation info that you've got to have. So, um, <laughs> yep. Or, or whatever we Did talk about. Did you catch about. that? <laughs> all right. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Because the key here, Katie, is contingency planning. I always plan for contingency. <laughs> total segue. You know, total segue here. We've been talking about all kinds of stuff, and then off air, I get this email and uh, I'm responding to. So we have this expression in the office there is no such thing as a financial planning emergency. Right. Right? And I want you to think about that for a moment. Are there financial emergencies? Yes, of course. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, they happen all the time. All kinds of unexpected things happen financially. But is there a financial planning emergency? No, because it means you failed to plan if you have a financial planning emergency. Right, right. So a good plan has all these contingencies that are sort of designed into it. And that's one of the reasons, you know, everybody rolls their eyes. But, you know, why do insurance companies exist? Besides to drive you bananas. Right? <laughs> for your contingency plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a contingency plan. For risk that you cannot manage internally, then you, you co-op that risk with somebody else. That's right. what insurance is for. Right. So uh, anyhow, I, as I'm, I'm looking at, you know, we're doing some scheduling for an event coming up. And then I you know, <laughs> say, oh, well, we thought it would be one way. It's going to be another way. So already we're into, well, good thing we have contingency planning yeah. as part of the gig here. And we pre-plan a lot. And David and I were in a meeting prior to going on the show. We were talking about our event coming up this weekend uh, that's for our clients. And uh, he goes, well, what happens if that doesn't happen? And I said, then I will do this instead. And so I always have a contingency plan. Yeah. So <laughs> Sometimes it involves midnight runs to Walmart, but I always have a contingency right. plan. <laughs> and, and, and that's just what it comes down to is um, there will be a plan B and C. 
and D. <laughs> so sometimes double Z. <laughs> yes, depending on how far we need to go. So really, it ought to be that way for you as well in your investment strategy. Right. Is, you know, how are you going to handle yourself in in different circumstances? Uh, and of course, as the uh, expression would go, right, uh, chance favors the prepared. Ooh, I like that one. Okay, it's a good one. So. We've covered a couple things today. We've talked about, you know, really where is this market going? And while we don't know the economic data and the behavior of the market still appears to have the wind at its back, we are at a very interesting point in history, an inflection where we're at all-time highs. But uh, it hadn't been since January that we've seen them. So seven-month hiatus from all-time highs. Now we'll see if we've got enough to push this market higher from here. Uh, and then we talked about IRAs today and, and how inheriting wealth there can be significant decisions involved in, you know, what do you do as as the beneficiary? But we, what we didn't talk about is, you know, what do you do if you're trying to structure beneficiaries? So those decisions can get a little bit complex, and sometimes it involves having attorneys or so forth. Sometimes they can be really, really simple. But the important thing is think about these things in advance. Right, because chance favors the prepared, or as another way to say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right, just do a little bit of planning in advance can go a long way. Why do we use the term planning so often, along with investing? Because they go hand in hand. Right, but you know they're not like the same bean thing. Bean and cheese burritos. <laughs> yeah, that. They're they're really not the <laughs> Those same. Those are not the thing, same at all. Beans and they, cheese are totally different. They are absolutely linked to each other though. The investing is you know, we all want to see our money working hard for us, right? And I've made this I made this comment to Katie earlier today that you know everybody's an investor. You right. just you know, you just may not be getting much of a return on your investment. Yeah, what are you investing in right? with your time with your money? Cuz cuz money's how you trade your time. So even if you don't have a lot of money, you're putting your time somewhere. What is it doing? And what is the return that you're getting on that time? So we're all investors, okay? But what we aren't all is planners. You know, you don't necessarily do things with intention. You don't spend your time with intention. You don't spend your resources with intention. And then, lo and behold, you know, you just sort of get wherever you get, right? There, there was no map. There was no pathway. You just sort of hope for the best. Right. And while some people, maybe that works out okay, I think that you can do a lot more and that's part of the stewardship concept that we talk about is, you know, the time is the resource of your, that you're entrusted with. You, you don't get it back, right? It's perishable no, and you won't get you it don't. back. So making the right decisions with your time. And we assume that we always have more time to do things. Exactly. With. Making the right decisions, though, is going to be really critical to your long-term success. Right. So I would encourage you to take those steps, uh, especially in light of where the market's at right now and, and evaluating your levels of risk and so forth. When everything feels really good, that's a good time to check and see how things ought to be. Right? Uh, are you getting more pessimistic or more optimistic? Maybe it's time to just review and make sure that your strategy is still has you appropriately positioned given that we're now at or near all-time highs in the marketplace. Good good time to take to take an inventory and figure out what you, what you want to be when you grow up, right? And if you don't have somebody in your life that you're working with, 
Okay, We would be delighted to at least give you a first opinion, if not a second, on what you've got going on and ways that you might be able to better optimize things. Right. So uh, they can- But please make sure you're, you're seeking financial advice from credible people. Right, <laughs> credible. Who know what they're talking about. So go to our website, go to littlejohnfs.com. You can get more information there. Contact our office if we can help. You can schedule an appointment online. We can do uh, video conferencing, all that good stuff now too. So however we can help, we're happy to let you know. 541-375-0898. We're out of time. Katie, thanks as always. Thank you. All right, until next time, this is David Littlejohn, and you've been listening to True Wealth. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.